Welcome into Two for One Drafts. Austin Gale here, the host of the Two for One Drafts podcast, a rookies and draft prospects podcast. Today, we're going to open with some takes we are thankful for, some fun takes at the top there. Then we're going to look back on our preseason piece or Mike Renner's preseason piece where he made some bold predictions on the 2020 NFL draft class. We'll see where those are panning out right now. And then, of course, it's the Wednesday episode of Two for One Drafts. We're going to preview the NFL and college football slate, give some prospects and rookies to watch in addition to our NFL and NCAA Greenline picks. Let's rip it up. Wednesday before Thanksgiving, Mike, is normally one of the bigger drinking nights oh. of the year. And I woke up this morning. It was the first thing I thought of. First thing I thought of was like, man, no one's going to be out tonight. No one's going to be drinking tonight. It's it's definitely a huge concern for me. I don't know if you're going to just finish a couple of bottles of wine by yourself tonight. What, what are That's your plans to celebrate um, Wednesday, the Wednesday before Thanksgiving? I don't know. I don't think I'm going to be going out, unfortunately. This is my favorite drinking night of the year. Like mm-hmm. My favorite drink day is July 4th. But I think like this night is really just because everyone, like everyone and their mother is out. Yep. That's Literally mothers, mothers are out yeah, uh, over the years. But no, it's it's a shame. But, you know, stay safe out there. Yeah. I also think, this. too, it's like one of my favorite years to drink because not, you know, normally you're going to back home of some sort and then you're yeah. going to back home bars, which I'm from like a smallish town, like adjacent to Oakland where there's only like a handful of bars people go to. Mm-hmm. Then you run into everyone that you've met in high school and see just how tragic their lives have become. I remember that. You feel good about yourself. Yeah, yeah. There was one time where I came, went back and there was this, I met this guy. All right. I ran into this guy that I was like, kind of like a jock in high school, kind of a loser. And he was the doorman at one of the dingy bars there. It's just tragic. See, it was more sad than anything. Honestly, you see some of these guys just not gainfully employed. Out. I mean, I can't hate on that. What'd you say? It's gainfully employed. Like, that, 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 that makes sense. That makes sense. All right. Well, let's go ahead and jump right into these takes that we're thankful for. You take us off the top here. Yeah, I was going to say, why be a draft analyst if you can't beat your chest mm. over a preseason uh, touchdown by a guy you were really high on? So we're going to have some takes. Some John Gruden victory laps around some Arrowhead Stadium right now. That I was thankful for. And I'm going to start off with Wyatt Teller, our highest graded guard right now. I don't want to say we saw it coming, but we saw it coming. <laughs> 53rd on our board that year. Uh, that's very high. He was ended up drafted in the fifth round, I believe. Was even traded by the Bills after his rookie season. We had him as interior offensive lineman four in that class. Way ahead of Billy Price, who was ranked 69th in our board. So I'm going to go ahead nice. and say I'm thankful for that take. Quinn dropped in. Producer Quinn, Cincinnati faithful, dropped in a nice nice on the Billy Price comment. Billy Price is like Voldemort here in Queen City. No one brings up that dude's name because he has been absolutely atrocious for the Cincinnati Bengals. The take I am thankful for is... Really, really, I was really, really high on Brian Burns coming out, and I think he finished what 14th on our board that year. But really high on him. Your production, than huh? You were higher, than, higher, you were higher, higher than 14th. You but I think Brian Burns this year is one of the highest grade edge fitters in the NFL. One of the highest pass rush win rates when you remove RPO screens and play action passes. He has been very, very good. And I still think there's a ton of room to improve for him because how he's winning right now is a lot of outside moves, some inside spins. But if he can start to really develop that, in, you know that bull rush that we talked about, and I talked to him before the draft, and we talked about this on the podcast before, but mm-hmm. You know, first thing you bring up to this guy is how much tape he's watching, how much he's trying to get stronger, trying to add weight before the combine. He got to that 250 number. But Brian Burns, man, I, I, I'm really impressed with this year two leap he's taken. And I still think that he can get a lot better as moves progress. He's still also a very young player, still a very young player in the NFL that I think can get a lot better, but higher than 14th on our board. And I think he's been 
the best what? Would he be arguably the best edge defender coming out of that class? Or, or who? You're joking. <laughs> You're forgetting someone. I know. It's I'm Nick, Bosa. Nick Bosa. But I do think Brian Burns has been really good. Yeah, he has. And the thing You're is about him being undersized, not having a bull rush. The reason I believe he's gotten by and like what makes him different from your run of the mill, from your uh, – who's the guy? This Quincy Roche's of the – of the college football world, who are these undersized guys who don't have bull rushes? Is that Brian Burns is a freak athlete? I mean, he ran a four-five-three at the combine at two hundred forty-nine pounds. Like he had a thirty-six. To compare, vertical. Jeffrey Akuda ran a four-four-eight. Yeah, like he is legitimate high-level athleticism to where offensive tackles still like we worry about offensive tackles once they get their hands on him, they don't get their hands on him. Is the thing like mm-hmm. he is that quick that. Uh, you know, 249 pounds. His still. move against the Lions this past week, I'm sure you made it, it yeah, made its way to Twitter. outside. Like he is, guys can't do that unless you are his level of athlete. If you're coming in running a four seven, you're not going to be able to do that. I don't care how talented you are, how well you set it up. It's just not going to have that quickness to get past an offensive tackle. So I think that's what really has set Brian Burns apart and why. We believe that he could get by, and you were even bigger fan of his game coming out. Give us uh, take your, another take you're thankful for. Another take we're thankful for, I'm thankful for. And we haven't talked about it much in our second year. We haven't. What's our second year segment called again? It's your baby. Uh, after close. After close. It's not my baby. That's your baby. Um, this is a Rookies and Drafts podcast, and you want to talk about second year guys. Who doesn't want to talk second year players? <laughs> Everyone wants to know where they've been. I'm kidding. It's one of those segments. Like, it's like the Wednesday drinking game or Wednesday bar night before Thanksgiving. Everyone sees those people that they yeah. you know met before, and now they want when to get the bar catch closes. Up. I go home, though. You oh, stay really? out. And that's yeah, why yeah, you yeah, love yeah. that. True, close. Amani um, Oruare, Lions cornerback, a, another fifth round pick here. 36th on our board coming out. We were big fans of his game. He has been very good this year. Third lowest completion percentage allowed of any cornerback in the NFL. 46.8% so far this season. Only 329 yards all year long. I think Jeffrey Akuda allowed that in the last two weeks alone. That's an exaggeration. He didn't. But he has been far and away their best cornerback this year. One of the better cornerbacks in the NFL. as in a, Having a big second year breakout. So I'm thankful that, like I said, we, I don't want to say we saw it coming, but we saw it coming. One more take I'm really thankful for, but uh, I actually have to pivot to another one. But one before I make the joke take is that uh, Jonah Williams, how high we were on Jonah Williams. I also, there's another guy that I interviewed and talked to and predicted that he'd have a very big second year after obviously missing his entire rookie season due to injury. And he so far, I think, has a 75.0 plus PFF pass blocking grade. People made, you know, not made fun of, but comments on the short arms. Maybe he's underside. Should he kick into guard? He's played really, really well at offensive tackle for the Cincinnati Bengals. And I think he will continue to do so as they continue to try and build that off offensive line maybe add a penesul in the draft and like we've said throw the kitchen sink at offensive line talent and free agency because that is really the next step for the Cincinnati Bengals but the take I'm actually going to put on this list here is Clemson in a blowout it made it to Instagram the social guys ran with it as a quote graphic and I'll tell you what when they did not win in overtime I have golden domer avatars in my ig dms ready to kill my family i want to see these DMs. they were they were very upset that you don't doubt the fighting irish and i apologize that i did my green light pick today is plus no nope, don't do it don't i can't go there. I, maybe maybe it will be maybe it will be but we'll get there um all right moving from what we're thankful for and jumping into this piece here you wrote before the season you made 10 bold predictions on the rookie class one one being joe burrow finishes as a top 10 quarterback with the injury, maybe has an asterisk on this one. But right now, is he not a top-10 graded quarterback on PFF? He is not. 
He's 20th. But that's the thing. It's the season's not over. Guys could suck the second half of the year. Guys could fall behind. <laughs> that would not be fair. I will say there were years, though. So he has a 70, finished with a 75.1 overall grade. There were years that would have been a top 10 grade in the NFL. It's just passing has gone from, you know, everyone's okay at it to now, like, everyone's like in like average pass rating in the NFL is like in the mid 90s. So um, he was good. So you're saying Joe Burrow would have been yet. better if everyone else was a lot just, They should have sat him against the Ravens. <laughs> I, I, yes, I don't think his, because I don't know, I don't feel great about the Bengals offense comparatively to other offenses around the NFL, but it's neither here nor there. I still think Joe Burrow, uh, not top 10, but job well done. Rookie season. Number two, Jalen Rager, the Philadelphia Eagles wide receiver, former TCU wideout, will have 12 plus deep receptions this year. He is. Who, he, <laughs> who could have seen Carson Wentz turning into. Dude, I love Rex Ryan. I don't know if you've seen this bit from Rex Ryan where he's talking about Carson Wentz. Like, um, I think it's Orlovsky who goes on this long rant about how Dude, the Orlovsky. New York Giants are the best team in the NFC East, blah, blah, blah. And then Rex Ryan cuts over. He's like, yeah, it's not the Eagles. Carson Wentz sucks. And it's just like, wow, this is fantastic content here. Yeah. But he has been terrible. And But Jalen Rager only has one deep reception all year. He's also battled injuries, which is a factor. Injuries. But I think a bigger factor is Carson Wentz being absolutely atrocious this year. That entire offense has been absolutely atrocious this year. Dude, and not even like just atrocious, uh, unplayably bad. <laughs> they, they should bench him for Jalen Hurts at this point. You're not... He's not doing himself any favors by just. What going would out be there. your prediction? And how hurts in this how offense? big an L you brought Darren Olasky? He was pumping this guy's tires all last season. Like you got to take the L on that one. Like this guy sucks. That's not yeah, a like, take he's thanked before. Uh, I don't yeah. think, at least of now. I mean, I've had those before, but you just got Mia culpa. Sorry, I was wrong about how who was the problem. It's been Carson Wentz this year. How well do you think Jalen Hurts would perform in the Eagles' offense this year, even if it is just down the six-week stretch? Honestly, uh, not great. Like yeah. I don't think he'd be much as a passer, but if he, if he's running the ball, you're, you're at least getting that aspect. And they still have a fairly good offensive line. Like it's one more question to feed the Eagles fans: Do you think Denzel Ward pushed off on Alshon Jeffrey on that pick late? I think that was a little bit of a push, pushing forward. Also, Alshon Jeffrey jumped early, but do you think that's no. a DPI? I, I'm team less DPIs. That if a guy's attacking the football, you like if you get. If he gets there first, you got he got there first. Sorry. Fair enough. Number three, Jonathan Taylor, top three in rushing grade. 518 yards. No, not rushing yards. Oh, rushing yards. I apologize. Jonathan Taylor, top three in rushing yards. 518, only 250 back of third place. Yeah, this one. Just one big game, Jonathan. No, he, he had his better this game. past week. I would say he looked better this past week. There's some time to make up that ground. It doesn't look great right now, though. He's, you know, like I said, that's one game over the course of a pretty lackluster season. And so that one... These, none of these look None good, of these have the been great so far, Mike. I don't know. I'm glad we started. Maybe bold. now I realize why you wanted to do the takes we're thankful for segment ahead of these because these, these takes bold. are not great so far. I mean, I had to, I had you had to, to address them. Yeah. yeah, And then we can put it to bed. Then we can delete the article, please. Three rookie running backs will finish the season with 1,000 rushing yards. This one, I'm, this one could hit. And this one hadn't happened since, uh, gosh, I didn't have the year off. I think it's 2012. Mm-hmm. This is the first this hadn't happened. James Robinson. On pace for a thousand yards. Clyde Edwards Hilaire on pace for a thousand yards. Antonio Gibson on pace for like nine hundred yards. Jonathan. That's Taylor only because JD McKissick has photos of Ron Rivera or something. That he has something. Gonna, that one's gonna change around. I, I think down the stretch, Antonio Gibson's gonna be the one who makes me look smart in this take. I think JD McKissick is the first in, 
First guy in, last guy out. He brings breakfast in the morning, sometimes bagels, sometimes donuts, because <laughs> this guy is getting an absolutely absurd target share, snap share. When Antonio Gibson yeah. is balling out. Yeah. The forward Memphis back is balling out. I loved this one coming out. I remember when we did the podcast. This one I didn't even feel like was all that bold. But it, it's a good one. No rookie tight end goes over 400 yards um, since 2014. Harrison Bryant is on pace for 241, and that's going to lead all rookies. That is awful. Like this one, put a stamp on it. And Harrison Bryant was one of those ones where after the combine, everyone thought, like, I don't even know this guy could push a shopping cart in the NFL. Well, it's not like 241 yards is. No, I know. I'm saying he's him leading them is even insane. You know, a lot of other people. Well, everyone thought it was going to be, I don't know, one of the Patriots tight ends, but they don't even throw to (laughs) them. So I remember Albert Okui Budam, the former Missouri tight end, had a lot of hype after he ran his like surprising 40 yard dash that I got put on old takes exposed or whatever it was for saying he wasn't a good athlete. athlete. He didn't look like a good athlete at Missouri, but there's a lot more athleticism than straight line speed. That's true. Very true. All right. Just said that. That Number six, Michael Pittman Jr., the Indianapolis Colts receiver, leads all rookies in receptions. He got hurt. Mm -hmm. That that's hurting him. But he only has 24. Ceedee Lamb leads with 48. Over the last three games, though. He's been peppered in that offense. Ceedee Lamb gets a lot of targets in Dallas. Yeah, Ceedee does. Uh, He has 14 over the last three games. If that were to be his pace for the entire season and he stayed healthy, he would be leading. So. Wow. That's my excuse. I like the extrapolation there, Mike. <laughs> um, CeeDee Lamb, man. I, we could talk about it every podcast, but how much he's go. earning targets in this offense when you have Michael Gallup and Amari Cooper. Yeah. And, I mean, you're talking about earning snap share of the overall offense. Ezekiel Elliott, Tony Pollard. Uh, it, it's been impressive what he's done in Dallas. I think he's going to be he's gonna be a dude in Dallas for a while, and he's only going to get better. Number seven, 2020 has, few, 2020 has fewer 800-yard wide receivers in 2019. Is that on pace to hit? It's not. But I also didn't see the the passing boom coming. No one did. We have five guys on pace for over 800. But, so, Justin Jefferson already there at 848. Yikes. Crazy. But one of them's T. Higgins, who's just not, may not get another catch the rest of the year in that Bengals offense. One of them's C.D. Lamb, who, I mean, Andy Dalton, he's not going to put up the numbers that he did early in the season. And then Jerry Judy and Chase Claypool. They're all on pace for 800 yards. So... That one's going to come down to the wire. We're going to have to see about that one. Coming down to the wire. Jalen Johnson, the Chicago Bears cornerback, will be the highest graded rookie at his position in 2020. He started out of the gate hot. He and C.J. Henderson were both grading really, really well. But up late, I think he's seen better competition. They've been been leaning on him a bit more. And he, of all the cornerbacks, I do think is in a position to get targeted a ton. I mean, he he gets a ton of targets compared to the rest of these guys. Yeah, he does. And he's... His grade's not great because of the penalties, but currently he sits as the fifth highest graded cornerback, uh, 54.3 grade. Like I said a lot of that's penalty driven. He does lead in PBUs, 11 PBUs. That's a good sign for a rookie, but not quite at number one. But it's not like he's that far off. AJ Terrell leads with a 71.3 overall grade. Like no one's playing well here. So he could very well, you know, one, two big games. He could make it. We'll see. I mean, any pre draft takes you had on this cornerback class? kind of died this this entire cornerback i was trying to think when we were doing the takes we're thankful for like i had a lot of opinions on the cornerback class oh they've all been garbage though so it's really yeah. difficult to and everyone I, I posted the jeffrey akuda route i don't know if you saw it against dj moore where he just gets absolutely toasted at line scrimmage and just burnt like it's it, it was a rep you did not was, see yeah. at ohio state exactly it was simply a rep you did not see at ohio state any team any fan base that is wants to jump on jeff gladney i'd even throw trayvon Diggs in there cameron dantzler um uh, I'm trying to think of the other guy, Jeffrey Kuda. Guys for like, oh man, they don't look good. These guys are busts. 
wait, wait it out because the, the, the quarterback no position overall, even beyond rookies, has struggled this year. I mean, like you said, how many players, how many cornerbacks this year? Even? Three cornerbacks with grades over 80 right now. That's insane. Three. Because, insane. like I said, they're just at such an unfair advantage nowadays. Like the passing game is just so much advanced, far advanced from where it has been. No pass rush, no hard, all hard counts. It's just they're at a disadvantage this Absolutely. season. Absolutely. Number nine, similar similar cornerback take here. Cameron Dantzler, Minnesota Vikings corner, finishes the second highest graded corner, uh, uh, rookie corner at his position. He obviously got hurt, came back, looked at his best game this past week against the Cowboys, only 10 yards allowed, uh, but he still has a 54.6 overall grade. Like I mean, so he's been on the back end of some bad plays. And he's at some bad plays. And we'll see. He's, but I think we'll see. Uh, here's a take for next year. Here's a take I'm hopefully thankful for in 2021 is that – multiple of these guys, like three or four of these guys take significant steps forward in year two. Now, I'm not saying all of them become world beaters, but guys that are grading under 60.0, like Jalen Johnson, Cameron Dancer, uh, Akuda, I think is even in the 50s, low 40s even. I think those guys take steps forward. We've, yeah. I, I just don't think you're going to see this bad of tape from the entire rookie cornerback class um, in 2021 with it. Hopefully, ideally, a full offseason, yeah, a full see. preseason, which I don't even know if we're going to be able to get that but it's going to be huge for their development. Like the the games that you've seen these rookie quarterbacks played is the only NFL games they've ever played, and it's it, and they didn't play any preseason games. Mm-hmm. I feel like the practices were an interesting case, mostly Zoom calls. Um, so definitely hold out on any player, any rookie on your fan base that you think is already a bust. Lions draft class has the highest WAR, and your comment here is you don't want to talk about it. Yeah, this one I don't want to talk about. It's just, I should have known better. It's putting my hopes on the Lions to make me look smart. They they might have negative war from that rookie class. I mean, Detroit well Lions have been played. bad. Yeah, I, I mean, at some point, it starts up top. There's you said not, it not me. Nothing changes over an X amount of your span now. Yeah, let's go to the college football playoff. <laughs> All right, uh, actually, we're going NFL picks first. Let's go uh, NFL prospects to watch. You don't want to talk about the college football playoff rankings? Oh, we do. I'm sorry, college yeah. football playoff rankings. Yes, let's do that. College football playoff rankings. Northwestern is eighth. Yeah, Mike. We talked. We've bagged okay. on Northwestern before. If you Google Northwestern schedule, the academic calendar comes up before their football team schedule. Yeah, and they are the eighth best country according to the poll. And I'm not just saying this because I look like an idiot for picking Wisconsin over them last week to cover a seven and a half point spread. Trust me, that's not why. I'm not salty about that at all. I'm a little salty about that. But they kept harping on this fact that this was a this was based off of watching the games and how they played and how talented they think these teams are that's why you get you know a two loss georgia team at 9 because oh they're like they're so talented they're, they're just so good even though they lose games a lot like to me what actually happens on the football field has to matter and if that's the case you can't sell me that, like that's what you're actually thinking you can't sell me that northwestern would beat georgia on a neutral field you can't sell me that that would be a single digit line on any single field so like why are you putting northwestern there why are you putting byu at 14th when they've been the most dominant team in the country on tape behind iowa state behind iowa state behind iowa state who lost to louisiana lafayette you can't you can't give a strength of schedule sort of bump to them for being in the Big 12 when you lose to a non-Power 5 team in Louisiana Lafayette. You just can't do that. I, I think that was like a, almost like a, hey, BYU, go schedule a real team. But also, like, they, they got challenge. screwed because they were, yeah. So I, uh, I have a lot of problems with these rankings. But the whole uh, 
fact that you put Clemson ahead of Notre Dame in your rankings is the most egregious thing I've ever seen also. Clemson over Notre Dame because they're going to win the ACC championship, and they're, that's going to push them ahead. But you can't have that right. You can't have that take right now. I have that so take in right your, now. In your in your rankings, who you had Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, Notre Dame, and then Cincinnati. They BYU. played the two of those teams played already. One, one, one the without other. their top quarterback, the best quarterback in college football. So, don't go get COVID. Like don't be more responsible, Trevor Lawrence. If you don't want your team to lose, DJ Uangalele took Notre Dame and Ian Book's loser ass to OT. I'm just saying, at some point, and they were out with, without Mike Jones Jr. There, I, I can I can see watching the games and here's my take on this. I can see watching the games and saying, you know, having a talent evaluation when teams have equal resumes in terms of two teams are undefeated, two teams have one loss, two yeah. teams have two losses. When you have an undefeated team and one that beats another team on that, what happens what happens on the field has to matter some. Yeah. So like if UC goes through an undefeated schedule, you can't put. Uh, you know, say Florida over them if they have two losses and then it's like they lose to Alabama in the SC championship. You can't put Florida over them just because, oh, one of those losses is so tough. They played Alabama. Like, what happens on the field still has to matter. If you're losing games, it still has to matter. I don't care. To be fair, though, I want to clarify. My rankings were predictions on how they'll end up. Not, oh. where, they, not where I would put them now. Oh, but okay. I was predictions where I would end up. Maybe I mis, misinterpreted what the social guys were looking for. But I will say this. When we posted that to Twitter Instagram, everyone's got a freaking monster opinion. Everyone's just like, oh, my God, these are the worst rankings I've ever seen. It's like these are not that far off from where they actually end up. BYU, the only thing that was maybe egregious compared to this is how high we had BYU. But BYU at 14th, we had Oklahoma at 6-2, and two, we had Iowa State at 6-2 and two, is absurd. Like yeah. That doesn't make any that, sense. That to me is just ridiculous. If like BYU is actually has NFL talent, like they're not some – this isn't like – And San Diego State is nowhere Marshall. This isn't Marshall. This isn't Coastal Carolina going undefeated. You know, like that yeah. – that's like fluky. They're not. Zach gonna Wilson's s- going to be a top three pick. You have to factor exactly. that in. You have exactly. to factor that in. And that's what I thought they would, and want that name brand at the end of the year. And that's why I think thought they would like take BYU over UC if both are undefeated. But apparently, that that one though, I think UC is the much better team. I saw the, someone have five. Oregon taking the fourth spot in their college football playoff rankings. Okay, and you're going to come at me for having a relative. I think the four best teams in the country are Alabama, Notre Dame, Clemson, and Ohio State. Those are the four best teams in the country. Yeah. Will it not shake out that way? Will Notre Dame beat Clemson again in the yeah. championship and push Clemson out? Yes. Maybe. But those oh, are, yes. if you want, if, again, if you're voting to have the four best teams in the country in the college football playoff, those are the four best teams. If you want to go based on record, based on the field, and, and cheer on some of these um, Cinderella stories, maybe you sneak a Cincinnati in if they go undefeated. Maybe you sneak BYU in. But yeah. let's, not, let's not fool anyone here. Texas A&M fans in my DMs, Florida fans in my DMs, you are not, you're not catching Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama, Notre Dame as the four best teams in the country right now all right florida has to be licking their wounds from that loss early in the season um absolutely all right well let's let's tempers cool a little bit let's take a quick short break and when we come back let's look at some nfl prospects college rookies or (laughs) nfl rookies and college prospects to watch and then make our ncaa and nfl green light picks courtesy of the pff elite subscription 2-4-1 Drafts is brought to you by PristineAuction.com. Check out their daily auctions with $1 starting bids on over 8,000 football items up for auction. Signed helmets, balls, jerseys, and much more. Pristine Auction guarantees authenticity on every product. Use code PFF for $10 off your first invoice. 
PFF and Sunday Night Football's Chris Collinsworth is teaming up with one of the best players on and off the field, 49ers All-Pro cornerback Richard Sherman. The Chris Collinsworth podcast featuring Richard Sherman is available now wherever you find your podcasts. They will provide the most interesting football conversation in sports every single week, and sometimes that means the discussion will venture off the field, too. Additionally, Chris will be taking a deep dive into the game of football as he sees it, inviting the best and brightest to talk about everything that is happening in the great game of football. Mark your calendars. You do not want to miss the best 60 minutes of insight this season. MooseFit is a premium online workout program and remote coaching service that provides you with daily workouts based on your goals, the time you have available, and the equipment you have at your disposal. Purchase your MooseFit membership and a MooseFit coach will reach out to you with a questionnaire. Based on the information provided in the questionnaire, your MooseFit coach will either assign a pre-made program to you or will create a custom program for you. No two programs are the same. MooseFit is well-equipped to help provide you with daily workouts that will help you reach reach your health and fitness goals. For PFF listeners, use code PFF50 and receive 50% off your first month. For more information, check them out on Instagram at MooseFit or on their website, www.moosefit.co.com.co. In these uncertain times, life is full of questions. Like, when should I start thinking about life insurance? But however difficult these questions may be, Western Southern can help you answer them. Backed by over 130 years of experience, together we can look ahead to leave the unknown behind. Western Southern Financial Group, life insurance, retirement, and investments. Compensated endorser, products issued by member companies of Western Southern Financial Group, Cincinnati, Ohio. Your first matchup you have highlighted here in the NFL, I'm excited because Henry Ruggs, the Las Vegas wide receiver, has not lived up to expectation from a volume perspective. The box score for Henry Ruggs Jr. does not look, or Henry Ruggs Jr., Henry Ruggs III does not look good. And I have people asking me, should the Raiders be nervous? Is this guy a bust? What's going on? And part of me has sided with what Gruden has said, that he's you know taking the top off of the defense. He's had a handful of really good plays this year. But Love at a certain point, at a certain point, you want to see him earn more targets in this offense. He didn't have a target until the second half against the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. And the target he did have was a short little flare-out. He took, what, two or three yards. That, in my opinion, when he's not a, fe- a focal point of your game plan, and you're rather throwing to Nelson Aguilar, a.k.a. what Derek Carr calls Nelly, Hunter Renfro, and Darren Waller, one of the better tight ends in the NFL, I- I'm a bit concerned. Yeah, I mean, a pure deep threat with Derek Carr was never, that was never like a recipe for a 1,000-yard season. Like, that was never going to be big numbers but you thought it could lead to you know like one big like more big plays for sure than it has he's going up against AJ Trell who we mentioned was has been the highest graded he's been very good at limiting big plays uh there in that Falcons defense a very good fit for what they do defensively so it'll be an interesting matchup to watch like he does not have a single Henry Ruggs this year catch against press coverage yeah it's absurd He's the only Snap. receiver in the NFL with at least 50 routes run against press coverage and zero receptions. And again, like that off, just the way Derek Carr plays quarterback, though, is so weird. Like it's unique in the NFL landscape in just the routes he targets and the way he like there's no like he's gotten more plays outside the pocket this year, but there's no like. Oh, second reaction, deep ball shot to a guy who has that just like doesn't happen almost yeah. ever. He scrambled more this year than he ever has yes. in any single season of but his career. But also, like, it's still not a lot. Yep. All right, mine is going to be Ceedee Lamb, and this isn't a matchup. This is on Thanksgiving. If I know anything about Ceedee Lamb so far this year, is that he thrives in prime time, and yeah. Thanksgiving is days is a day for breakout 
players. I think it's the it's the Sean Steve Smith quote: "Big players make big plays in big games." This isn't necessarily a massive game going against the Washington football team, but when you're on Thanksgiving Day, some ballers always show out, and I think it's going to be Ceedee Lamb. He's coming off an insane game against the. Um, Losing track. Minnesota Vikings, where he had that awesome catch in the end zone. And he continues to – he has what? Leads all rookies in receptions this year um, behind Justin Jefferson in yards. But CeeDee Lamb has looked very, very good. I think if you're looking for a star to shine bright on Thanksgiving, you're you're sitting down – mashed potatoes stuffing mac and cheese if you're keen i know that's a big debate right now whether mac and cheese is a side on thanksgiving but just put, put it what is. you freaking want Ooh, mike wouldn't go with it is say that say that louder for the guys in the back quinn it, it is mac and cheese is a thanksgiving side dish i'm in so on it i'm fine with that dish. as long as it's like that fancy mac really and cheese baked. that's baked with it's the come out in the glass crumbs. thing yeah yeah absolutely it's, um, it, it can't be craft no oh, we're like craft. A, we're like a dutch oven or something yeah but the the side that never like the fact that i cannot believe it hasn't caught on any other week of the year stuffing like how do we not eat stuffing? i agree i have actually a good comment on a normal basis so i was in a coffee shop recently grabbing coffee and one of the baristas is asking a girl behind me like oh you know what are you having for thanksgiving the classic banter whatever it is and she says, what's your favorite dish on thanksgiving and she says hey you know everyone calls me weird for it but my favorite dish is actually stuffing and i'm sitting over here in my head i'm like oh Everyone calls me weird for liking the most popular freaking dish yeah. on Thanksgiving across the entire United States. You can ask everyone in the United States what they have on Thanksgiving. Turkey's going to be one, and stuffing's probably going to be the second most popular answer. No, you're not freaking weird for liking th- stuffing. It would have been weird if you said, like, the yams or the grease at the bottom of the oven at the end. Like, that would be weird. Stuffing, absolutely not. You sound like an idiot. Sorry. Sorry. And stuffing should replace – or not replace, but it should be, like, french fries, tater tots, stuffing on the side. Do you want one of those three? Tater you can tots? Have one of those three. I mean, that's like kind of like what? <laughs> I'm saying like at a normal restaurant. Okay, that's like your side option. How often do you go to restaurants where they're offering tater tots? Dude, tater tots are big in Cincinnati. What the hell is this? Tater tots are atrocious. Okay, here I have bacon <laughs> tater tots or French fries. French fries have a higher ceiling. Tater tots have a higher floor. Yeah, and, it's, and they don't have a ceiling. It's just the floor. Like okay. They, tater tots are the same every single time. They're frozen out of a bag and they're garbage. Nope. I haven't had a tater have tot. A fresh, I have a fresh taken tater above tot expectations. Tot, tots life. don't get as soggy. Tots don't get as soggy. Tots don't get as soggy. That's why but I Here's, here's how you make floor. a good tater tot. You throw a bunch of other shit on it. Like you throw like cheese and green onions and all these people trying to light it up. With fries, you can have a perfect fry with nothing. You can have a good tater tot. We have to get off the tater tot vibes here. But C.D. Lamb on Thanksgiving calling it right now he's gonna have a big one is he gonna I'm be super excited. against a very a bad tater or a french fry on thanksgiving he's gonna Why be a power freaking french fry on thanksgiving bang all right my next one andrew thomas the giants uh left tackle has not been complete ass of late <laughs> breaking pass blocking <laughs> is grades that except- gonna be a quote graphic on twitter <laughs> right, you know when we do the quote graphics they uh, highlight yeah. a certain part in green <laughs> Andrew uh, Thomas, Ayers. make that quote graphic right <laughs> Andrew now. Andrew Thomas has not been green highlight, complete ass this year. <laughs> this past few weeks. Sorry, go ahead. 72.2 pass block grade, 66.4 and 64.0 the past three weeks. <laughs> That's progress, my friends. We didn't get the take completely wrong. Uh, him going against Carl Lawson and the Bengals. I almost got tickets to this game because they were super cheap, and then I realized, oh, yeah, I know why they're cheap. Did you get Ryan Finley. No, Ryan oh. Finley. <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't that. Okay. Yeah, it was, I mean, like, no more Joe Burrow. How cheap were they? slipped my mind. What? How cheap were the tickets? How cheap? It was like 40 bucks. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I was like, oh, but like everyone, no one wants to see Ryan Finley uh, get shut out at home. So, uh, but I do want to see Andrew Thomas going up against Carl Lawson because he's a unique rusher in the way he rushes and that he's a very 
tests upfield. We'll get into your chest and bull rush you. If you're not ready for it, he'll beat you down every single play because, he, like I said, it's a unique way that he rushes the passer and he can have some big games. So Andrew Thomas would love to see how he does against that. He needs to. I have mean, heard from a source that he has not been complete ass of late, so I'm hoping he continues that streak. Um, yeah, I heard that source too. I'm looking ahead to Justin Herbert going against the Buffalo Bills. I think in Buffalo is that game. I think that one's going to be a really tough test for Justin Herbert, similar to the test he had against the Miami Dolphins where he did not look as great. But I mm-hmm. think Justin Herbert going to this game, five-and-a-half-point dogs. I, I think this is going to be another one of those ones where he's outside playing in – Unideal weather. I don't think it's going to be an all-out blizzard there in Buffalo, but a really te- a big test for Justin Herbert, who he only has a handful of games on his slate left where he's going against some pretty solid defenses that can give him fits. And for the take I had on my, uh, Monday's podcast about him finishing with a top five graded rookie season in the PFF era at the quarterback position, I need him to show up against Buffalo. I think Justin Herbert can, and I think he, he, the Los Angeles Chargers offense can sneaky put up points even against the Buffalo Bills team. And I know they're not. They're nowhere near like playoff contender or whatever it is. But I, I like their offense going against teams like Buffalo or, or the Kansas City Chiefs that can score. And we saw that in Justin Herbert's first start, which he didn't even plan to do until Terrell Taylor got you know stabbed in the chest by his own doctor. So I think Justin Herbert, in the, what could be somewhat of a shootout weather permitting, I think puts up some good points here against Buffalo. All right, I got two things, two reactions to that. One, about the actual game itself. I, I do think Buffalo, they haven't been a great defense this year, but the way they run their defense – uh, it can give a young quarterback fits. They're looking at your eyes. They drop, and they're reading what you're doing, and so they're still going to be making plays on balls. Like if you're staring guys down, they will be breaking on passes. Could, you know, picks. Like that's what you'd worry about. Hopefully he takes care of the ball. That's what you want to see against a defense like that. And my second take is how many, like, players who have been very good this season were just not starting? Like to begin, Justin Jefferson, Justin Herbert, Chase Claypool, weren't at all at the beginning. I guess Claypool was getting the hype, but guys who just have been utterly dominant, it seems like, from the first time they stepped on the field, but just never, like, I don't know how you, as a coach, week one, is it because they don't have it picked up the scheme? Or what's like, because Justin Herbert looked better than Tyrod Taylor, having not practiced a whole week before he's made his first ever career start. Like, I don't know. Uh, it's just an odd just you just I feel like you don't see that a lot like it's either guys come in and they people know it and they start or they don't no one just comes in two or three games in the season and is already electric like that I mean I think part of the reason why they weren't starting is like the COVID stuff you know not having you know the abbreviated Austin no preseason I think there's some rookies that maybe would have started out of the gate that weren't given that opportunity but now that they are you know forgot about COVID how how could I forget you forget yeah, you got to think about it more, Mike. You got to. All right, now, a couple more. I can't get it. I can't get it anymore, though. Um, That's true. You're immune. I, um, <laughs> I all right, my, matchups I'm looking forward to here, and, and I'll let you finish. Uh, Damon Arnett, the Las Vegas Raiders cornerback, who um, didn't have the best of games against Kansas City. No he got one... boned on that uh, out-and-up P.I. call. Yeah. That was not a P.I. Yeah. You can stand your ground. This is like, especially when the game's in Florida. But yeah, Damon Arnett uh, did not have a great game against Kansas City. And then now, I also want to highlight, and I know you hate when I bring up second-year players, but that secondary is, yeah, Trayvon Mullen and Jonathan Abram going against Atlanta. Calvin Ridley, Julio Jones, an offense that should, if it was called correctly in my opinion, be throwing on early downs often and putting up a ton of points. They don't do that, and I hate I hate the Atlanta Falcons for it. Every single week, I think there's value on them. Right now, they're plus three. It might be my green line pick. Who knows? But I think the Atlanta Falcons, that offense, should, in asterisks, maybe like 60 of them, should 
be a really big test for this very, really young secondary in Las Vegas. You love throwing in those after close guys. Um, Have to. They really, they're struggling. Like Jonathan Abram, the blow in that coverage to the game-winning touchdown to Kelsey. What is he doing? Like, that's just, you can live with some freelancing if you're like, box safety you can't live with freelancing on the back end to that degree that's just not being a responsible player in your defense and there's just too much of that in this tape right now unfortunately all right give me your last nfl rookie to watch. my last one is big damian lewis the guard slash center hopefully back at guard this week after what he did at center last week for the seattle seahawks uh going up against fletcher cox because uh that's kind of like a strength versus strength. It's like a uh, brick wall meets what's the saying? I don't know. Whatever that saying is, we're like two things. That, Unstoppable uh, force meets the immovable object. Quinn. That's why he's on the mic. Thank you, Quinn. Wow. Um, that's exactly what I was going for. Uh, Damian Lewis, six big time blocks this season, second most among all guards. It's tied with Quentin Nelson, by the way. Our boy, friend of the pod, Quentin Nelson, just because he went to Notre Dame. Uh, <laughs> But that's going to be a good matchup. That's just like a matchup you want to watch. It's going to be big boy football yeah, right there. I'm excited. I mean, David Lewis is a big boy. Absolute hoss. All right, jumping to our green line picks here. I kind of alluded to mine. I got Atlanta plus three because I like to sweat, okay? Some people like to sweat. Atlanta plus three, and it's not because I'm dogging the Raiders in any way, shape, or form. This should be a shootout. This should be a shootout. Both defenses are bad. Yeah. If the Atlanta Falcons can't muster a strong 30, 40-point offensive performance against the Las Vegas Raiders, I think it's at home, too, in Atlanta. There's got to be huge concerns. At a certain point, you can't have Matt Ryan, Julio Jones. I even think Hayden Hurst has played well in this offense. I don't yeah. think their offensive line is completely atrocious. At a certain point, the fingers got to get pointed on the sidelines because this team is, has more than enough talent to be putting up good, you know, strong numbers against what will be what this Las Vegas Raiders defense that hasn't looked good against anyone this year. Yeah, I think if we take just like the Atlanta games out of Green Line the last two years, we'd be over sixty percent hit rate. <laughs> like I, I, we would just be. Like That's it. I asked. I asked. I, need, I don't have any George. data to back that up. It just seems like it. I'd ask Eric George, how much money would we have collectively if we just never bet the Falcons? Not saying to bet the opposite side. Just yeah. never put that just money in the out. bank yeah. or in the whatever offshore account. <laughs> I think I'd have a lot more money. Yeah. I have a lot more money than I do now. But here I am again, laying, bearing the cross that is mm-hmm. the Atlanta Falcons stand here at plus three. All right, mine's going to be. I'm going. This one hurts for me to say, but the Bears plus point plus eight and a half against Green Bay. One, it's funny to me that they, this line's even up when like they don't know who's starting a quarterback for the Bears. Vegas is just like, it doesn't matter. Whoever starts quarterback, that's like, they're going to suck anyway. So it's 8.5. I just don't think, one, it's a divisional game. I don't, I don't think the Bears are a disaster of a football team. I think their defense is still very, very good and can at least limit what Green Bay likes to do offensively and has the one thing that we saw give the Packers problems this year, and that's pressure on Aaron Rodgers. They can bring that. So I just don't see it being a blowout in a divisional game. And I'd, Green Bay's defense, man, they for some reason just have a knack of letting any team in the NFL score 20 points on them. Like yeah. whoever it is, like <laughs> throw out Jake Luton at quarterback and you're going to give them a game. Like that, that's just they don't, they don't bring heat on opposing quarterbacks the way they did last year. So I think eight and a half is just a lot for – a team when you're not going up against a, like a bottom of the barrel NFL franchise. George Chahuri had a take on the PFF forecast, which I encourage everyone to listen to. It's another podcast on the PFF podcast network with Eric Eager and George Chahuri. Um, that the Green Bay Packers, he was trying to say you could only have seven teams that you think can win the Super Bowl this year. 
Yeah. Green Bay Packers were not on that list. What's your take on that? No, that's absurd. I, I mean, Aaron <laughs> Rodgers, like they're one, still kind, not in the driver's seat right now to get the number one seed, but they're close. Like all they need is the Saints to lose a game with Taysom Hill and they play the Chiefs in, a, in like a few weeks here, I think three or four weeks. And they they don't have an easy schedule necessarily coming into the barn, but they don't have like they don't play any team that I don't think they'll be favored against. So, yeah, I, I think that's that's kind of crazy to me. I don't know. Like I would take them over the Seahawks every single day because as like as kind of bad as we just said the Packers defense has been, they have hope. Seahawks defense has no hope. Seahawks when they go up against any offense and they're gonna have to win four shootouts to get to the Super Bowl. The Seahawks. I, I just, do you see that ever happening? I don't think so. Yeah, probably not. All righty then. Jumping to college football now. Some prospects to watch here. Got to wrap it up here a little quickly. I want to highlight this UNC versus Notre Dame game. Diami Brown and Daz Newsom going against a very fast, very aggressive Notre Dame defense. I think that will be fun. Sam Howell has to get those guys cooking yeah. if they're going to cover this plus five number against Notre Dame on Friday too. I thought it was a Saturday game. Yeah, Friday, Friday at two thirty, which kind of sucks. Three thirty, a little bit, a little bit sucks. Especially you're going to have that Thanksgiving hangover a bit, whatever it may be. I know. Diana it's not Brown, Daz Newsom, not going to have the energy that no. a Saturday would. I wish it would. I wish it would. But Diami Brown, Daz Newsom. Trash has this opinion that he likes Daz Newsom over Diami Brown. Mm-hmm. I've been growing on Diami Brown as a prospect. I like the size. I think he's looked better of late. I think he is is moving up on my board. Yeah. The the matchup I want to see from that game is the running backs: Javante Williams, Michael Carter, the best one-two punch in the country. Go to Notre Dame defense because they shut down Travis Etienne. Like that defense can fly. They can stop anything you want to throw at them in the running game. So seeing how those guys are effective. And I have a good Notre Dame story about the Friday, um, the Friday game after Thanksgiving haunts me to this day. If you'll think back, 2015, this is when I first moved to Cincinnati. Notre Dame was I want to say 11 and 0 going up against Stanford the Friday after Thanksgiving night game. Massive game. I'm at this bar, Ryan House, in town. My brother's in town visiting. My college roommate from Notre Dame is in town visiting. Uh, and I'm, I'm talking to this girl for most of the second half. And I thought things were going well, watching this Notre Dame game at the bar. They, all of a sudden, with like 30 seconds left, they were down. They had the go-ahead score to Sean Kaiser, punches it in. Go nuts. I'm losing my mind. I run over to my brother, my roommate. We're celebrating, whatever. I turn back to look at this girl who I thought, like I said, things were going well with. Her and her friends had all left the bar in that like 10 seconds that I was celebrating that game. So I guess things weren't going well. And then Stanford came down 30 seconds, kicked a field goal, and uh, stopped Notre Dame from going to the playoff that year. And I had a bad night. So that sounds like a terrible night. Yeah. For my so family. I have, so I'm kind of, I'll be honest, I'm kind of worried the Friday after Thanksgiving is a curse game for me. Yikes. Well, I'm excited for it because my NCAA Greenlight pick I'm going to say it now is UNC plus five. Because yeah, I will continue so. to root against Brady Quinn, Mike Renner, and these Golden Domers that are high on their horse after Ian Books had a couple good games in what has been an overall shaky career for Notre Dame. I'm interested to see if they can get UNC. Oh, I'm not. I have never pimped out Ian Book as the reason you they're going to win these games. But they're going to win these games. And also UNC coming off a bye. Notre Dame's coming off a bye, too. You don't see coming off a better buy. I, I heard they're practicing harder in, in, there in uh, North Carolina. All right, uh, jumping to other ones I have here. Elijah Vera Tucker and Amon Ross St. Brown going against Colorado. You're not going to see a ton of USC games this year. But if you do, catch Elijah Vera Tucker. I tweeted out earlier this week, or I think it was yesterday. Elijah Vera Tucker is the only tackle in the country with 100 pass blocking snaps where they weren't RPO screens to play action and zero pressures allowed. 
But I don't even think that stat gives him justice because this guy's also an absolute brawler in the run yeah. game. He's one of the highest graded players in the country because of it. I, I'm excited to watch more, more Vera Tucker and obviously Amon Ross St. Brown, a guy that I think has a lot of the tools to be an outside receiver in the NFL. You just want to see more reps of it. Yeah, someone asked me in my mailbag last week is Wyatt Davis, the Ohio State right guard. Is he locked in as IOL one? said, I don't know. Elijah Vera Tucker's tape this year has been better. He could make a play for AVT. Iowa Should we call, start calling him AVT? Get ahead of that or no? Yeah, I like AVT. That's okay, good. Cool. Uh, uh, next guy on this list, Dion Noville, North Texas, nose tackle. One of the highest graded games we've ever given this past week against Rice. 98.7 grade, 99.9 run defense grade. If you go watch, it's, just, it's almost comical. Uh, now, Rice offensive line hasn't been at that level the rest of the season, but I want to see how he follows it up against UTSA this upcoming week. I have to break this a little bit because we just got breaking news. No way. Ryan Finley, and because producer Mike Quinn is a big Cincinnati Bengals fan, Ryan Finley will not start. It's going to be Brandon Allen off the practice squad. Oh, no. How bad is Ryan Finley? Small, that's smaller hands than Joe Burrow. Yeah, Brandon Allen. It's uh, eight and five eighths, right? Yeah. Well, some of the smallest hands ever. He had to massage his hands. Same. between the senior bowl and the combine to add some inches, which I wish also, which I was going to say, that's how it usually works. It's, it's uh, pretty solid after you massage it, but hand massages, I will say are underrated on a, on a jokes aside comment. I think hand massages are underrated. I've never gotten like a real deal massage. Dude, your mom gives a good one. Um, but I will say Brandon Allen starting ahead of Ryan Finley is, Walked in Oh my goodness. That sucks. For Ryan Finley. I mean, how bad has he been? He was the guy who came in. I mean, he's been awful. Yeah. Yeah. Man, like <laughs> we know how bad he's been. Yeah, I, so. this. I wonder I, how much that moves the line. Probably not a lot. I don't think it makes it that much worse, to be fair. No. But we'll see. Trade it up to get Ryan Finley. Don't forget <laughs> yeah. that. All right. Uh, my last one here before we get to the green light picks, which you already know, is UNC plus five. Rondell Moore versus Rutgers. He had, what, 15 receptions in his opening game. But his average at the target was, what, minus behind a yard? Scrimmage. Yeah, behind the last scrimmage. That is bad. I want to see him run down the field. If you can't <laughs> run down the field against Rutgers, I know Greg Schiano's intimidating, yeah. but I'll be a little bit upset. His usage matters. We're not going to see a lot of Rondell Moore in college football. His usage matters. Let's see some vertical routes. Let's see him get down the field, use that speed, rip it up. He also had zero force missed tackles in that game. I'm predicting, bold prediction, that is not the case against Rutgers. I think he makes a couple guys miss. Yes, I'll always want to watch Rod Delmore. He's always on the list. Uh, my last one, Roger McCreary, Auburn cornerback, kind of that whole Auburn secondary, going up against Alabama, Devontae Smith. That's uh you know that's a John tape Mechie. that's tape you're going back to yeah that's tape you're going back to in the draft evaluation process three uh, highest ranked Monday. players in yards per out run against press coverage this year John Mechie the third Devonte Smith and then Tyland Wallace who mm, don't press him I was not as high on Tyland Wallace as others were entering this year but as you watch more of his tape I've been really impressed with what he's done yeah. so far this year that leads me into my green line pick which is Auburn plus twenty four and a half against Alabama. This means something, even though Auburn hasn't been good this year. still means something. They still have NFL talent defensively. Yes, Bo Nix is their quarterback, and he's the worst quarterback in college football, in my opinion. Whoa, but, that's not true. Okay. He's not the worst quarterback in college football. He's one. Okay, so he is one of the worst quarterbacks that you can start for, like, uh, if you're a college football program, because he'll keep making you think that this year is going to be different and you're going to start him for four years and you're going to suck all four of those years. You're just not going to be a contender all four of those years. Wow, that's like the worst kind of quarterback you can be. That's why I'm saying he's the worst quarterback in college football. He's just good enough to where you think he's going to turn the corner and yeah, the like next four years later, enough. Auburn has just watched putrid season after putrid season. Yeah. Being a doormat in the SEC. So that's how I feel there, but still enough to cover this 24 and a half point spread because that's a ridiculous spread. They yeah. haven't lost a game by 24 and a half all year. Now, Alabama's a very good team, but... 
that's just a lot for a team that also like has talent, especially mm-hmm. the defense side of the ball. All right, we're going to close here. I want to mention this before we close. I got to mention our guy, David Sofaro, intern here at PFF, who works on the podcast with us, helps us identify timestamps and all these things. We were doing the We're Thankful segment before the podcast started. And one of the best things he said was like, what do you think for him? He's a big Michigan guy. John Harbaugh still has a job. Had me crack it up. That's so funny. John I'm Harbaugh. thankful John Harbaugh still has a job, too, as an Notre Dame fan. So are host Ohio State fans. Yeah. Ohio, the entire Big Ten is thankful John Harbaugh still has a job. Greg Shiano and Rutgers are very thankful. That's the only reason that game goes in OT. Sorry, David, but that had to be said. It's hilarious, though. If they lost that game, and it, it, the joke is that Harbaugh wasn't allowed back on the bus. But I honestly think the reality is I don't know if he's allowed back on the bus. You lose to Rutgers because it matters. It matters in, when you're playing the same teams every year and your fans, you need to cr- mark off wins on your schedule preseason. Rutgers will win. Michigan State to win. The games that are going to be hard on our schedule every single year, Ohio State, Penn State, maybe another team. But right now, we can always mark those off as wins. When you're taking Rutgers to OT, That's the boosters bad. are getting a little scared. Oh, yeah. I mean, if they would have lost that game, that's laughing stock in prime time. Sort of, yeah, that's not good. All right. Well, that's going to do it. David Sparrow, love the guy. Very good on the 2 for 1 Drafts podcast. But until next time, we will. it'll be the after Thanksgiving edition. I'm going to need stories from this Cleveland Thanksgiving okay. with the new girlfriend. And I want good ones. And can you drink a little oh, bit yeah, more pe- than you expected? People were, yeah, I'll do that. People were asked for some relationship stories. And you had some good ones from this past week. I have some tough ones that I can't bring up on the podcast. <laughs> we can't bring up these, these stories here. But, um, Things aren't going good, okay? That's all you got to say. But, oh, wait, no, wait. Can we bring up the one about how the one you talked about ended up listening to the podcast? Oh, yeah, that was brutal. Well, she could be listening to the podcast again. Who knows? But, yeah, we talked about the rising sign horoscope. She listened to the podcast, wasn't upset. And and it was honestly a learning moment for me. You know, I was an asshole. No, that's not. Nope, you're not an asshole. I feel like part of me was like. You gained us a listener. True, so in, true. So go on more dates that are bad. All right, I'll try that. I'll do it for you. I'll do it for you. Um, the only date I know is a bad date, so I, I can't miss. Um, but that's going to do it. Until next time, after Thanksgiving, we'll get runner stories. Continue to review the NFL. I'm excited for January, man. That's going to be peak draft season. We're going to be up on the podcast three episodes a week. The best draft podcast. And I may be biased, but the best draft podcast, if you're looking to hear about prospects every single week, every single day, you're going to be just listening in to 2 for drafts. Rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Thank you to producer Mike Quinn, Sofaro as well. Um, until next time, Asa Gale, Mike Redder, 2 for drafts. 